Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Let's go there. With Shira and Ryan. Entertainment. Music. Pop culture. LGBT plus news. Let's go there. Starts now. <laughs> Happy Friday. What up, what up, what up, yeah, everybody? Yeah, I'm feeling it. Are you? Um, it depends on your definition of feeling. Oh. But I'm feeling something, and I am so excited for another show. Our last show of the week, our first week complete back in the studio. Uh huh. How's that felt? It's felt good. It I has. feel like I have my life back. Do you? Yeah, because I like I I get here. Uh-huh. I feel like I have the mornings to myself. I get to do my other stuff. I don't, and I I don't know. It feels good. I also feel like we're performing. Like we're part of a show. There's the energy versus sitting on Zoom in my bedroom. You yeah. know that gets a bit old. It's so true. It's so true. And I, I the, the fatigue is gone. It's like when yes, the light the comes Zoom on, fatigue is gone. It's ready to go. And I've really enjoyed. It. I feel like we've had a slammer week. I mean, let's review some of the guests that we've had. Right? We've had Delegate Danica Rome, who yes. you'll hear from her again today because we thought she was just really good so we're replaying her right yes um who else have we had on to I'm this not, week it's know, been a really good week ryan you might realize um maybe it's my age i'm not good at the like looking back sometimes of like like literally sometimes i barely forget what happened yesterday i mean i have been noticing more gray hairs so i'm not gonna lie <laughs> <laughs> i dye my hair so that's impossible <laughs> No, but we I think we've had a killer week yeah. and we just thank you all for tuning in because we know we've gotten some new listeners since we've changed our times, right? Yes, 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific. That is 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern right here on Channel Q. And again, yeah, we are your hosts, Shira and Ryan. <laughs> and we bring you uh, amazing guests, LGBTQ plus news, mm-hmm, our take mm-hmm. on pop culture, current events. And of course, we always like to bring in a little relationships and life spice. Yeah, we all, you know, I think there's a balance of one, uh, feeding your curiosity on what's going on in the world, mm-hmm. but then also um, talking about how life sucks and getting therapists on to help us through it. Yeah, we're all in it together. <laughs> Free therapy. How about that? We love that. <laughs> Coming up on the show, uh, why openly gay is an offensive term. We've got Richie Jackson, the author of Gay Like Me, a father writes to his son, joining us at 3.35 p.m. Pacific, 6.35 p.m. Eastern. And part two of our conversation with Dr. Joe Court, explaining how men can have sex with men and still be straight. <gasps> oh, he's back. Yeah, That's we've, right. We've got some more questions for him. Oh, Wow. Okay, we should have maybe replayed his segment so people Oh, could maybe we'll. Erotic versus sexual attraction. Okay. Right? And fantasies. Yeah, you're really stuck on that, so I'm, I'm happy that you'll well, be Well, I think it's get... interesting because I look at it as rela- uh, relationally who I'm attracted to, uh-huh. then sexually attracted to, and then he added it erotically attracted to. I 
think he made it up. Probably. <laughs> That's what you can do these days. Make something up and you'll go viral. All right, let's get into these headlines. Yeah, today the U.S. Senate kicked off a marathon voting session, what they're calling a voterama. Makes it much more exciting, doesn't it? On amendments to President Biden's $1.9 trillion COVID-19 relief package, amendments require a simple majority to be added to the bill, but voting was delayed over proposed changes to unemployment insurance. And uh, Elon Omar reacted to lower caps for the next round of stimulus checks. To there are going to be about 17 million people who will get less money. Uh, this is not the promise that we made. This is not why we are uh, given the opportunity to be in the majority in the Senate and have the White House. Uh, and so ultimately, it is, you know, uh, a failure when we uh, compromise ourselves out of delivering on behalf of the American people and keeping our promises. And it continues. A vote on the entire bill is anticipated later today or early Saturday. And we've got more coming up in the next hour. President Joe Biden has named Reggie Greer senior advisor on LGBTQ issues. We'll be telling you more about that uh, at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern. But what's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Oh, my God. I'm here to deliver some sad TV news. Oh. It's, it's time for your T-Report, those pop culture stories trending right now. The hit show Pose is coming to an end, mm. which is very, very sad. Steve Can- Stephen Canals, co-creator and executive producer of Pose, announced the news in a new video. Here's what he had to say. Good morning, America. I'm Stephen Canals, co-creator and executive producer of Pose. Our audience has been so incredibly supportive of the show, and I wanted to tell you directly that our new season, which debuts on FX on Sunday, May 2nd, will be its last. It was a very difficult decision for us to make, but this has been an incredible journey, and we have told the story that we wanted to tell. Are you kidding me? It's like one Mm. of my favorite shows, and it's been so groundbreaking, so historic, and it's really sad to see the show go, but the incredible history that this show made will be here forever. So did they decide, or the network didn't want it anymore? I think it's one of those things where it's a combination. Mm -hmm. I think it's when the story's done, the story's done. And True. then also, um, you know, the network was probably like, it's a wrap. But guess what? It, they, you know, like most likely will be on Netflix all the season. So check that out. I got more T-Report coming up next for you. Coming up, uh, yeah, next on the show, why Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is being called out by the FBI over red carpet vaccine distribution. What that means next. Ever since vaccine distribution began, Florida has been in the headlines for their lack of strategy and control over who gets it. And now the FBI is getting involved and Governor Ron DeSantis may be in trouble. Mary Ellen Class is the Capitol Bureau Chief for the Miami Herald in Tallahassee, Florida. She broke this story and joins us now. Thanks for being here. Hi, good to be here. So what's the latest happening in Florida that urged the FBI to want to probe Governor DeSantis? And congrats on breaking well, the story. Yeah, well, I have to correct you. They have um, the two leading Democrats in the state have asked for the FBI to initiate an investigation, um, but it hasn't. We haven't. There's no indication that they have begun that. Um, it's my understanding that they're going to have a meeting with them next week. Got so, it. So, you know, there's just a lot of questions that have emerged. Um, Florida has um, been a been pretty you know, kept its vaccination distribution process kind of in a black box. And it's um, Governor Ron DeSantis is pretty much been the gatekeeper. And while he um, 
does appear to have, you know, brought the vaccines to other parts of the state. Um, we just don't have a clear sense as to how he's, what criteria he's using. How does he, how does he decide who's getting it? How did he decide who was going to get the early doses? Um, and because of that, there's just a lot of questions that have been raised. Uh, and in, at the same time that he was distributing vaccines um, to select communities, he was also raising a lot of money. And um, when we started looking at who some of the contributors were, many of them were in places where uh, they had these pop-up vaccination distribution centers. So there's just a lot of questions that haven't been answered. Yeah, and so it seems like, well, we really aren't close to finding anything out. But what what started the kind of wondering about what he's actually doing? What were some of the red flags that some people were calling out? Yeah, well, it first began, the first red flags happened um, about a, three or four weeks ago uh, when he put together a you know, a vaccine distribution that was just going to be for an exclusive community in Bradenton or near Bradenton. And, um, and, and who's going to limit the vaccine to just people of certain zip codes and everybody in that area lived in, um, or most of the people in that area lived in a gated community um, that was developed by one of his big donors. Um, and uh, the woman who put the list of uh, the list of people together who were going to be eligible for the vaccines was a county commissioner, and she herself was a, a big supporter of the governor. So mm. um, the questions were that's that's how it began, um, and then we started seeing that there were similar things happening in Charlotte County, Sarasota County, Broward County, Palm Beach County. Um, and uh, then someone sent us an anonymous uh, note with information about this Ocean Reach Reef Club, um, which is probably one of the the most swanky communities in all of Florida. It's a very exclusive, you know, uh, a very exclusive community where a lot of people have expensive homes and yachts and. Um, and they were given access to the vaccine, not in the last two months, but in January. Oh. They were one of the very first so, to yeah, get it. It's being called red carpet vaccine distribution. And I mean, you probably <laughs> were like, OK, this is interesting. I'm getting this note like I'm in some sort of thriller Netflix series here. Uh, but <laughs> right. is what he did illegal? Like what's going to happen now? Well, you know, if if there's any evidence that he was offering these, this vaccine in exchange for campaign cash, that's obviously a um, violation. However, we don't see, you know, we're not suggesting that that is what's happened. We just want to see some answers. And the state has just refused to give us any information about how they select, who they select, why they selected these communities um, to be some of the first, you know, to get to get money or to get uh, vaccines. So, you know, um, until those questions are answered, I, I don't think these, uh, these, these conclusions that people are drawing are going to go away. Uh, should the president be, uh, president be holding him accountable, anything at the federal level? I know that it's up to the governors with what they want to do, but at what point does the president step in? 
You know, here's a question that I have, and it certainly seems to me to be something that that elected officials from the president on down should be asking, and that is, who owns this vaccine? You know, the U.S. government paid for it. Taxpayers paid for it. Um, It's being distributed to the states um, based on need. And once it gets to the state, who gets to decide? And should that be, should there be some standard criteria or does or does the governor get to just pick and choose? Mm-hmm. Um, and until, you know, I, I really do think that um, people need to be need to be asking that. And and that's maybe where the president could come in. That was Mary Ellen Class, the Capitol Bureau Chief for the Miami Herald in Tallahassee, Florida. Florida. Thank you so much for being here. Good to be here. Thank you. Coming up on the show, the streaming wars continue with Paramount Plus launching and more to come. I mean, how many apps could there be? I can't even count. I'm tired of paying for them. Right? So which one should you jump on? And is there any way to start saving money? Those answers next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. More streaming apps keep launching. I mean... Really? It's getting old. I mean, it's completely... I I don't even know why we got rid of cable at this point because we're paying the same amount of money. It's the same, just different in a different place. Yeah, for sure. So which one should you be paying attention to and how can you save money versus spending more monthly? David Bloom is back with us. He's a senior contributor at Forbes and uh, podcast host at Bloom in Tech covering the collision of media, tech, and entertainment. Thanks for being here. Always delighted to be with you, Shira. Uh, so I guess oh, this keeps not me. You don't. You're not. You're not excited to see Ryan either. I have never met you, Shira. I've known for a very long time. Oh, okay. If you've been on the show, you've probably met me. <laughs> I mean, our voices sound somewhat familiar. I do sound like a woman, so yeah. maybe you got us confused. So, David, let's not yeah. get too distracted by Ryan. Um, what are the latest ones launching first, so we have a sense of the landscape right now? All right. Well, the one that came out yesterday was Paramount Plus, which is actually a revamped and beefed up and rebranded and a bunch of other stuff uh, version of CBS All Access. Uh, You know, after they remerged Viacom and CBS into one company, they had all these cable brands. They had Paramount Studios, none of which were on CBS All Access. So now that's all under Paramount Plus. And it's got a bunch of stuff in there, plus another 700 movies from Merrimack, some of which are, you know, Oscar winners and things like that. So it's got a lot of nice stuff. It's got breaking news. It's got sports. If you're into some sports, a lot of it's got like March Madness will be on there, some NFL games, a bunch of European and South American soccer will be on there in the sports space if people care about that. Uh, Two months ago, Discovery came out with Discovery Plus. You know, all of the sort of basic cable channels that they are that they own uh, are on there. All the shows from them. It's like 55,000 episodes of um, the Discovery and and a lot of reality shows and things like that. If that's your jam, that's pretty good. Uh, Back in the back end of last year, AMC Plus came out and that was um, one of several little streaming services from AMC but it includes uh, like uh, The Walking Dead and the, uh, Mad Men and uh, Breaking Bad and a bunch of other odds and ends. They've got uh, the Sundance Channel and Independent Film Channel. 
so by I, IFC or I've got stuff in there too. So it's, it's very small, very niche. Yeah, it seems really intense at this point. I think what's really interesting to me is how these you know streaming services are kind of partnering with your phone plans. Are they trying to find unique ways of making people subscribe? What are you seeing uh, that they're doing to keep people like saying like, oh, pick me, pick me? Well, that's absolutely a big thing. A, a colleague of mine calls it the great rebundling. So we had the cable bundle, which was a whole bunch of stuff, including a bunch of stuff you never looked at. The average person looked at 10 channels uh, a month and just 10 out of 200 or whatever it was. Uh, and now we have access to all kinds of content whenever we want. We don't have to watch it on, you know, when they decide to put it up there. Uh, so that's great. Um, but it's hard to find what we want. Is it, is it still on Peacock now or is it over, is it moved back over to HBO Max? You know, cause that happened with the Harry Potter movies. They come out with HBO Max, which is, which, whose parent company owns the Harry Potter movies. And three months later, it went back to Peacock. It's like, well, try to keep track of that, will you? <laughs> uh, yeah, it seems like they're just experimenting and then we're just all having to pay for it. Exactly. So, well, well yeah. they, they absolutely are doing it. Part of the problem is, that they have deals that have been in place for years, mm -hmm. and then they all kind of realize, hey, we need to get to this on the streaming thing, but we've got these deals in place, so we'll be unwinding those for months, if not years, to come. And that's one of the complications. So and a company like Viacom CBS has you know, licensed out all kinds of stuff from Nickelodeon, from uh, Comedy Central, from CBS. You know, all those shows pop up or like the older episodes show up. So wait, who's your, who's your favorite right now? Who's doing it right? Uh, I will confess that uh, HBO Max is very interesting to me. Yeah, uh, they continue to put out a lot of really good content. You know, a lot of people didn't understand. They were a lot. They they had the worst possible launch you can imagine, but they've got. <laughs> they did though. They got all. I mean, it was terrible. But they got all that HBO stuff. But it is a really uh, maxed out because it's a, a whole bunch of other things. If you're into animation, they got a lot of stuff, including the Studio Ghibli, you know, Miyazaki's work, that great Japanese stuff. They've got a bunch of really wonderful classic movies from the Criterion Collection going all the way back to well, Charlie David, Chaplin's film. we need to wrap, but I need just your answer because people are wondering. We did tease saving money. Is there a way to save money? Are there, like, any options yeah. at all? There absolutely are options. Choose just a handful of ones that you want. Choose three or four. Get some bundles. There are deals. You're right about the bundling with uh, this this carrier or that uh, cell phone seller. Uh, those are those deals are out there. So that's one way to knock off ten bucks a month. But the fact is, if you were paying 150 bucks a, a month for cable, take away half that, so you just get your your broadband connection, right? Uh, say, and then you piece in. You can get Netflix, which is a whole lot of shows and a lot of good buzzy shows. Yeah. Pick up. You know, if you like if you like the Disney stuff and the Avenger stuff, you're going to get Disney Plus. The prices are going up, but the Disney guys have a have a bundle for about twelve bucks. So I guess you say between Netflix and uh, the Disney the Disney bundle of yeah. uh, Hulu, Hulu, uh, ESPN Plus, and and Disney Plus, that's like twelve or thirteen dollars. David, so we can't you like necessarily QVC this right now. <laughs> But um, um, we actually need a wrap, but you're amazing. I know. And you, you There's a lot going. out there. There's a lot out there. Uh, that was David. There's a lot out there. But, but you can be picky. Here's the deal. You can be picky. Okay. So be picky. Need a wrap. I'm going to get fired because we're not getting paid for our commercials. We're not. We're not. Uh, this, that's our bundle. David Bloom, senior contributor at Forbes. Thanks for being here. Glad to be here. Always. Now, coming up, uh, a mom is saying schools should let kids retake tests, especially amid the pandemic. So does she have a point? We debate that next.
Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. So this mom is pitching a new way to teach kids, okay? And it's causing a lot of controversy. She is saying that we should let kids resubmit work and retake tests. And I want to know what you think, Ryan, because there's actually some research in, that backs this and that shows that it might be better for kids. Okay, all right. What, uh, what's happening? Well, yeah, so basically this mom who is a staff writer at Scary Mommy wrote a piece for the popular website about this. She said how her 14-year-old son is currently able to retest and retake assignments. It's automatically built into the curriculum to have up to three chances to retake those tests and assignments. And so when she first learned about it, like many people might be questioning this, she said, well, is this a cop-out, right? Would he really learn that way? Isn't it almost like cheating to be able to find out what you got wrong and just go and fix it and improve your grade? Wouldn't everyone get straight A's if that's how things worked? So she must have never went to college because a lot of times professors let you have those open book tests. Have you never had that? Where you you literally... My college years feel just like a... Girl, you just keep telling the people how old you are. Um, but I think it's interesting. I, I, I actually really enjoy this um, this idea mm-hmm. because oftentimes I remember even being in school where I would get a lot of anxiety right oh, before yeah. a test. And I think sometimes that anxiety allows um, kids to not remember a lot of the things that they uh-huh. had or it just makes them frighten up. Like you get stage fright in a way. And so this idea of having the opportunity to do that or if a teacher sees like, oh, this is kind of an issue – yeah, why not? And it doesn't have to be every student, but give those students a chance to 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 do a little bit better, read some things that they may may have missed. What? Why did we get to this point where we only give you know kids one opportunity to prove themselves and then deem them stupid and they can't do anything else? Because it was an easier way to standardize things, right? To put it's everyone gross. in a box and act like everyone learns a certain way, and then it makes it easier for us to move on to the next stage of our lives. Blah blah blah. Here's the thing: I actually agree with this. I think we all learn different. And I think the way it is now is forcing people to memorize versus actually learn things. Yeah. And it doesn't stick. And we all learn differently. Some of us are auditory. Some of us are visual, etc. And including for those with ADHD, right? Like they might need more chances to do something. They're actually showing that kids will either, because they don't want to do those retakes, they'll just get it the first one right or then they'll retake it and actually take the information in so I think this is so interesting would love to know what you think at LGT shows where you can find us on social media coming up Kim Kardashian is speaking up about the Britney Spears doc and how she feels about the media that's next on What's Training This Hour Okay, coming up on the show, Delegate Danica Rome. We talked to earlier this week, and a highlight from the interview, we're going to be airing that at 3.20 p.m. Pacific, 6.20 p.m. Eastern. She is very special. She's doing amazing things in Virginia. So stick around for that. Plus, why openly gay is an offensive term. She is typically known, Danica, by the way, as the first openly uh, transgender lawmaker But we shouldn't be saying that anymore, according to this article. We should just say transgender lawmaker. And in the future, we're probably not going to even say transgender, maybe. But who knows, right? Yeah, I mean, well, 
I, I can't wait to have this conversation about yes. just openly anything um, because, yeah, it's going to be really interesting. It's it's probably going to align with my thoughts of coming out. Yeah. And so, yeah, I can't wait to dive in on that. And, of course, if y'all have any pressing thoughts, please let us know. Hit us up on social at LGT Show so we can read your comment live over the air. Or you can give us a call if you want. But- 833-77-CALL-Q is our number. If you mm-hmm. ever are listening to us and have something to say or just want to talk to us and hear our lovely voices. Don't be scared. You know, there's nothing to be scared. We don't bite unless you're into that. Ryan does. <laughs> Let's get into some what's trending this hour. This is breaking news. The Senate voted to reject a proposal sponsored by Senator Bernie Sanders to raise the federal minimum wage to $15. And guess what? It wasn't just the Republicans who voted against it. Seven Democrats and one independent who caucuses with Democrats voted against it. Yeah, that's um, that's actually kind of shocking. And makes me feel so weird and all these things when you're talking about what this country needs and what people need just to have just living just minimum living wages type of things it just it feels like we should all be aligned on that but to know that democrats some democrats are hesitant on that it just feels like where's that coming from where is that decision actually coming from it doesn't feel like it's helping at all We'll hear more probably about those Democrats and their stance on it next week. We'll be covering that on the show Monday. That is for sure. Now, uh, Charlotte Bennett, one of the women accusing New York Governor Andrew Cuomo of sexual harassment, has detailed multiple instances in which the governor allegedly made inappropriate comments, including asking her if her experience with sexual assault had impacted her sex life, among many other things. Here she is talking about that. History as a sexual assault survivor. So he goes, you were raped. You were raped. You were raped and abused and assaulted. And then he explains at that point that he is looking for a girlfriend. He's lonely. He's tired. You've just finished dictating. I guess it was too late to give a trigger warning. Yes, apologies. That was from her interview that she did with CBS News. Uh, So... It's going to be damning, it feels like. That is going to be something to tune in for if you can. Um, Because I think after this interview, we're going to see a lot of things possibly change for Cuomo. Because what else is he going to do after that but resign, in my opinion? Yeah, he said he won't, but we will see. Now, uh, let's move on to some good news. A little early, yes, Queen. President Joe Biden has named Reggie Greer as the director of priority placement and a senior advisor on LGBTQ issues. Greer had previously worked on the Biden campaign as the LGBTQ engagement director, and the promises that he made before the election are now being fulfilled. He said that LGBTQ equality is a top priority for the vice president, and he will build an administration that will not only uh, fight for our community and push our issues, but he's going to defend LGBTQ people against attacks on our rights, including any attacks on marriage equality itself. Now, Greer, Greer served as the director of constituent engagement at the Victory Institute. We love them. Yes, before we do. joining the Biden campaign. So congrats to Reggie Greer. Yes. And that was What's Trending This Hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Kim Kardashian is the latest celebrity to react to the Britney Spears doc. So let's dive into what she had to say. It's time for your T-Report, those pop culture stories trending right now. So, of course, Kim, like the rest of us, all saw this documentary that we've been talking about for the last, it feels like, month. Um, but she she says that 
basically this. She, she says that the media also kind of broke her. Uh, she says the way the media played a big role in her life can be very traumatizing. It can uh, really break even the strongest person. But my thoughts and uh-huh. even our producer Vanessa thoughts were, did it really or did the media kind of help her be who we see she is at this point? Of course it made her, but we don't know what's happening behind the scenes. I feel actually she's probably put, made herself appear very strong, considering how much she's probably broken without us even knowing. You know, I kind of have a different hot take. I think I... I you know we see her on the reality show. I mean, you see a lot. Yeah, I'm a fan of the Kardashians. And I, I, I genuinely think that if their lives are, if it was really like, got to the point where it was broken... I feel like they would have taken a step back further from television or social a lot quicker than they are doing now. I think her going into law is showing that she's trying to diversify what she's doing. Yeah, but that's late in the game at this point. Late? She really she, She's like four years no, old. No, but I'm saying late in the game in terms of if she's saying that the media broke her at one point or almost broke her at one point, then why would she not have kind of taken a step back in, you know, especially even I think about that unfortunate kidnapping situation that happened with her where she was like robbed. Here's like, the thing. She, should have, she really should have stepped back then and kind of reevaluated thing her The thing is life. when you've used busyness as a way to hide your trauma and to numb your trauma forever, you will default to that in moments, in those moments. Yeah, and I just, that is real, by the way. I just think we have to be careful. Some of these celebrities have to be careful when it comes to relating their experience to like what we saw in the Britney Spears doc, right? I think we all have probably experienced, they all have experienced it in some way or some form, but mm, I'm calling BS on Kim Kardashian. No wow. shame. Wow. Questioning her lived experience. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I'm doing. I'm giving you a nice little hot take. Agree with it or not. Let us know at LGT Show. And I got the T-Report coming up next hour. Now, coming up, Virginia joins 12 other states banning the gay and trans panic defenses. What does the future hold? Well, Virginia's first trans lawmaker, Danica Rome, joins us for that next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel The ban Q. on gay and trans panic defenses will become law in Virginia, and it's all because of our next guest. She is the first out transgender person to be elected to the Virginia General Assembly, and in January 2018, became the first to be both elected and serve while openly transgender in any U.S. state legislator. Thank you so much to Delegate Danica Rome for joining us today. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. So this is huge. How are you feeling now that the ban on gay and trans panic defenses is becoming law in Virginia, joining 12 other states? Well, the most important thing for me is I feel like I was able to fulfill a constituent service request because this came directly from an out 15-year-old mm-hmm. living in the city of Manassas Park, which is one of the areas I represent in the 13th district of the Virginia Health of Delegates. I also represent the western Prince William parts of Haymarket, Gainesville, and my lifelong home in Athens. And last summer, that constituent sent me an email asking me if I would submit a bill for this. And I was absolutely happy to do that, of course. And it was a really hard fight. And at the same time, you know, we had so many advocates and allies. Uh, Wes Bizzle from the LGBT Bar Association um, was absolutely phenomenal. He was so helpful. Um, Carson Anderson, who's the researcher who actually, he researches um, uses of the um, gay and transparent defense. And he was able to provide us with a lot of key data on what's happened in Virginia. And then for our closer, we had Judy Shepard, Matthew Shepard's mother, testified in committee both in the House and Senate. And, I mean, you know, even the Republicans who voted against the bill, 
they had nothing to say in committee because how are you supposed to look Judy Shepard in the eye and tell her that she's wrong? No, exactly. And I, I love that, that that pressure was kind of added. But to break it down, can you tell us a little bit about what those gay or trans uh, panic uh, defenses are? What does that necessarily really mean to any listeners out there who don't get it? Sure. So what it means um, in the most technical sense is that someone uses someone's sexual orientation, gender identity, sex, or gender as an excuse in in of itself or and or with a combination of that or with a uh, or with you know what what is called oral solicitation. So let's say for example I'm a trans woman, okay? I'm at a I'm at a bar and even though I'm you know now happily you know had my partner for the last six years, let's go back to when I was in my twenties. Mm-hmm. Let's say I was at a bar, I was in Henrico and this is the thing that happened and I meet this guy, things were going well, you know, he starts flirting, you know, I start making out with him, things were good. His friend starts getting really agitated, extremely agitated, and to the point where my friends had to take me by the elbows and literally rub me out and, like, get into the car and go away. What would have happened is if he had actually attacked me, what he could have done in court in that case is said that my either sexual orientation or gender identity, however, which one you want to um, put it with, was enough for him to not only, it wasn't only a reason for him to attack me, but it actually exonerates him for attacking me because he would claim a heat of passion attack in that case. And what that, all of that really does is it blames the victim for being assaulted. It blames the victim for simply existing as an LGBTQ person in America, that's not okay. And we have found, you know, a number of cases in Virginia where we presented eight different cases and we documented a ninth as even existing in Virginia. And those are just the ones we know about that we were able to find in the run-up to committee. There, it has probably been used countless other times. It's just those were. It's also very hard to research and find. So the bottom line on this is that you have people who are being attacked, who are just trying to exist as LGBTQ people, and then the attacker says that the reason and the excuse for attacking them is because they were gay or trans or anywhere else on the spectrum. And so that is something that has no place in Virginia. And one of the things that was coming up was people are saying, well, just because we don't like a defense, does that mean that we should outlaw it? And like, well, we have plenty of existing precedent for outlawing defenses that we don't like. For example, we have the rape shield law, for example, so that you can't blame a rape survivor or a rape victim's past sexual history for attacking that person. Mm-hmm. That's something that's been on the books for years. That goes back to the 80s. We passed a law in, in uh, 2018, or I'm sorry, in 2008, that says that if you were to, you know, statutorily rape someone who is 14 or older, and then you later marry that person, that marriage does not invalidate the statutory rape. That's an, that's an example of a defense, right? And that is inadmissible in court. Another one, voluntary, uh, you know, intoxication. We yeah. also have, you know, like you, and bribery is another one. You can't say, "Oh, I was bribed, so therefore I shouldn't have any consequences." Well, I get, I get. I want to say who you are because the voice you're listening to is Delegate Danica Rome right now. I do want to know if you know this is in Virginia and 12 other states. Will this ever be implemented nationally? 
Well, I think this Congress has the ability to do that. And, you know, keep in mind, it would only happen within, you know, a federal system at that point. But, you know, I believe that you have, you know, you know, you should be able to, in Congress, get people to believe that they shouldn't be allowing their constituents to be assaulted or murdered for simply existing. And keep in mind, I find it really just fascinating that these so-called pro-life Republicans who are so tough on crime really don't give a damn at the end of the day Ooh, whether or not snaps. their constituents are being maimed and uh, you know maimed and killed. Yes, if ma'am. they happen to be gay or trans. Thanks again to Delegate Danica Rome for joining us. She is just incredible. Listen to the full interview on our website, wearechannelq.com, and click on the Let's Go There tab. Now coming up on the show, why openly gay is an offensive term. We're getting into that next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. A lot of us use the term openly when we describe someone in the LGBTQ plus space. And, you know, I'll even admit it. I've said this on our show. And most recently we saw this as Pete Buttigieg became the first, quote unquote, openly gay cabinet member. And Dr. Rachel Levine, too, nominated for assistant secretary of health. Uh, but we might want to rethink using the term. Writer Richie Jackson explains how it's offensive in his article in The Advocate. And Richie joins us right now. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Now, let's get into this because uh, what you wrote is very relevant and important. Can you explain why you think we should expire the word openly? Absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, I am old enough to remember when we were called avowed homosexuals or practicing homosexuals. And openly is in that same vein. It is a backhanded um, compliment, but, they, but it's not meant to, it's meant to diminish us. It is basically saying, can you believe this person is not hiding? And if you take it out of reading it in the New York Times or reading it uh, in a press release from a gay organization. Imagine being a queer or LGBTQ plus person walking into a big family uh, reunion or in, or a group of people and imagine somebody whispering to somebody else, they're openly trans. They're openly gay. It is basically admonishing us for taking up the space in the world that we deserve to have. And it's, it's basically their word. It's straight people's word. Our word is out. Our word out is hard fought and hard won. And I think that's the word we ought to use. Yeah, and I, I actually kind of agree with you because I, I have the same kind of thought process when it comes to uh, coming out and ha- making people have to announce that they're coming out and all these things. It feels just it's based and rooted in a system of oppression. Um, but I do wonder right. when you're talking about openly and we're seeing these in the headlines, it really feels like it's a representation thing, right? Where we haven't seen these people in these positions or in these spots ever before and saying that it's supposed to be kind of in this positive light. So how should we kind of be reframing, uh, reframing representation and how we look at that? But how does out change that? What if it said uh, the first out uh, cabinet secretary, the first out uh, trans person to be put forth for Senate approval? How would that change representation? And I think it would 
it would be even better because out signifies to our queer kids that they can take the leap. They can open up that closet door and there is a world waiting for them to uh, embrace. There is a world that they can see a life that's possible for them. Out is the path. Openly is a tracking system for straight people to watch us as we go through their system. Mm, Wow. Well, we want to understand also how we can implement this because we're talking about this. We're in many ways in our own bubble, but how do we make this the mainstream? We'll be back with Richie Jackson from The Advocate, author next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Richie Jackson, the author of Gay Like Me. A father writes to his son and he writes the monthly column in Gay We Trust for The Advocate. And an article he wrote really stood out why openly gay is an offensive term. We wanted to talk about it today and you made some really powerful points uh, before the break. And now, how do we get this conversation outside our bubble? How do we implement it moving forward? Well, you know, I've been talking about it as much as I can and uh, asking journalists to jettison the word openly. Uh, The Victory Fund, which is an organization that educates uh, and supports LGBTQ candidates for elected office, they've stopped using the word a year ago. So it's starting uh, to take hold. And I think we have to talk about it within our community and with our friends and It starts with us not accepting it. It starts with us saying, no, you cannot call me openly because what you're doing is you're diminishing. And basically, it starts with all of us making sure in every aspect of our day that we do not let people diminish us. Every LGBT person knows that there's so many obstacles to living fully And what we have to do is every chance we get push back on uh, all the obstacles and openly is reinforcing a stereotype that being LGBTQ is shameful and we ought to fight it at every chance we get. Yeah, I... I appreciate you so much, in all honesty. I feel like you you couldn't have said it better. And I wanted to even know a little bit more, because you're an author. I wanted to know a little bit about your book as we're wrapping up here. Gay Like Me, A Father Writes to His Son. Can you give us a small little brief kind of detail oh, about what this book is about? Absolutely. So uh, when our uh, son was 15, he told us he was gay. And I was elated. I wanted him to be gay. I had hoped to be gay. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Uh, you need my a black greatest son? wish. Uh, what did you say? I said, do you need a black son? Because I'll oh, be here for you. <laughs> oh, no. I would love it. If my dad I feel like let we're go friends Ryan, now. Because my dad has already adopted I... Ryan. <laughs> All right. Yeah, continue. Sorry. So uh, my husband and I were elated. But then our son, our 15-year-old son said, Dad, being gay is not a big deal. My generation doesn't think it's a big deal. And I thought, oh no, being gay is a really big deal. It's the best part about me. It's the most important part about me. And I didn't want him to grow up to be one of these people who says gay doesn't define me. I just happen to be gay. Because if he made it matter of fact, he would not take full advantage of the blessing that it is. 
This is a whole other conversation, by the way. No, but I I think it's it's important. And I I think everyone, if you want to read it, uh, you can probably get it wherever you get your books. It's uh, Gay Like Me, A Father Writes to His Son. Ah, Thank you so much, Richie Jackson. We got to get you back on to talk more about that book because it unpacks a lot. I love talking to you guys. Yeah, Richie Jackson again. Uh, check out his monthly column in Gay We Trust for The Advocate. Coming up on the show, New York Pride has announced its theme and initial plans for 2021. Get excited. That's next on What's Trending This Hour. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Hello, everyone. It's your best friend Shira and Ryan from Let's Go There. And guess what? We usually start at this time for, what, a few years. But this is now the middle of our show because we've got new hours here on Channel Q, 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific, 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern weekdays. You know, you said best friend as in singular instead of plural. Best so friends. you only I counted said, yourself no, as I the said, best friend? No, plural. I said plural. No, you, I heard you say best friend Shira and Ryan. We're That's one. what I heard. We are one. No, I heard just best friend Shira. <laughs> no one else. The stranger Ryan. And Ryan. Who's and, that guy? And so, someone who's your friend of me, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> no, but welcome to our show, y'all. We're we're happy, you know. I do miss our last slot, but I actually really enjoy the new slot, right? It feels nice. We're Fresh. energetic. It just feels good. It does. And coming up uh, in this hour, COVID tongue. We've got more on the new COVID-19 symptoms that are popping up. That's at 4.20 p.m. Pacific, 7.20 p.m. Eastern. Plus, I'm excited for this. Part two of our talk with Dr. Joe Court. He's that doctor that went viral on TikTok for talking about how straight men can have sex with other men and still be straight. (laughs) Straight on straight. It's going to be a good one. I guess. Yes, exactly. He has a really interesting take on this, a hot take. So stay tuned for that conversation. Now let's get into some what's trending this hour. Governor Greg Abbott went on a big rant about big tech and said their censorship of conservative views will be against the law in Texas soon. He could not have said it on a worse day for him because the same day that he said that, uh, it was revealed uh, that the Biden administration uh, is bringing in illegal immigrants into the state of Texas and then releasing them, and many of whom have covid And uh, so under the Biden administration, he is releasing into the United States people who are COVID positive, who are going across not just Texas, but elsewhere in the country. The president and his his administration need to step up and stop this program, uh, first of promoting illegal immigration, uh, but second, allowing people who are coming to this country to spread COVID across the entire country. That is extremely dangerous. Okay, so by the way, we did play the wrong clip, but that was him... uh going up against the Biden administration, acting like his immigration form is is getting people from uh, Mexico to come and bring COVID into the states. Okay? So that's basically what Greg Abbott tried to say. The fear-mongering tactics of allowing hear? people into this country. All right, uh, I, was, I have the other Yeah, one let's just play out. the other one, okay, too. Okay, wait a second. Because Greg Abbott, you know, he will say just about anything to scare people and his supporters. All right, here we go. The United States of America was built on freedom of speech and healthy public debate. Big tech's efforts to silence conservative viewpoints is un-American, un-Texan, and it is unacceptable, and pretty soon it's going to be against the law in the state of Texas. Amen. Amen. 
And, you know, that comes after Twitter said they would ban users who share vaccine misinformation. And platforms like YouTube have discussed whether to let former President Donald Trump back on their platform. So he's just going up against everyone right now. (laughs) Of course. All right. And uh, New York City Pride, let's go to good news. They've announced that this year's theme will be The Fight Continues. Organizers say it reflects the adversity the LGBTQ community has faced on many fronts, including the ongoing COVID pandemic and the struggle for LGBTQ rights, specifically for those in the trans, black and POC communities. Uh, Andre Thomas, NYC Pride co-chair, said within this acknowledgement of what we're fighting for and the challenges we face, we also must find the strength together to continue the fight. So let's end on a hopeful note. And that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Okay, let's talk about a name that I feel like everyone should know, right? Um, It's time for your T-Report, those pop culture stories trending right now. Um, Zaya Wade has officially met one of her idols. Uh, I I love this. Here's the thing. If y'all are not familiar with Zaya Wade... She is the daughter of Gabrielle Union and Dwayne Wade, mm-hmm. um, the basketball player and the actress. Well, the teen interviewed Michelle Obama for a virtual Q&A session on Instagram, which was wild to see. I mean, she's just so fantastic. Um, basically, before the pair discussed the, you know, discuss the t- for teen readers is what it was. It was like kind of a virtual Q&A session for Michelle Obama's book, Becoming. Uh, Zaya took a moment to admit that she was of course nervous to meet the former first lady, but actually here's one of uh, my favorite moments from the 10-minute convo. So yeah. that I, that's something I want young people to keep in mind. Learn how to do something new. Learn how to do things that make you feel uncomfortable because if you don't, then you're just stuck. You're just stuck where you are. You're stuck in the same place with the same people. And if you do that for decade after decade after decade, that's kind of sad. You know, that's not a way yeah. to live a life. Right. And, right. It, you know, that that's just because you were afraid of you never learned to embrace something new. Yeah, so this, I'm telling you, it was such a great conversation. One, to really see kind of Zaya in that moment. Mm-hmm. I think we haven't really seen her in such a beautiful moment like that. And, and to just be reaffirmed and um, to just be seen and, and shown to so many people. We have to protect uh, her and others like her because she's just so amazing. I just can't get over it. She's like a, it feels like she's a little sister. That's your tea report, yeah. though. Check it out. I got more coming up next Very hour. sweet. Now coming up on the show, a COVID tongue. What is it? More on the new COVID-19 symptoms that are popping up next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. As we hit our year anniversary of the COVID-19 pandemic, experts are learning more about the disease in terms of its symptoms and short and long-term effects. And one professor who is behind the COVID symptom study app joins us, Andrew Chan, professor of medicine at Harvard Medical School and physician at Massachusetts General Hospital. Thanks for being here. Thanks very much for having me. So the list of COVID-19 symptoms is still getting longer. What's the latest to pop up? And let's go through what we know and then the new ones. Yeah, that's exactly right. So when this first started a year ago, I think we all thought it was going to be straightforward. You know, look up for fever and cough, and that would be about it. But the list of symptoms has continued to grow. I think in the very first few months of the pandemic, we learned a lot about uh, new symptoms like the loss of taste or smell, 
but even more recently, we've come to realize that there are other things to look out for. In particular, uh, skin changes have become uh, a predominant symptom for a lot of folks where they're developing kind of unusual rashes or uh, unusual um, toe things on their toes. And we've even had some reports of people who are noting some differences or changes in their tongue. So it really is very um, curious that we're seeing all these new symptoms. And I think it just illustrates how really complicated and unexpected this virus has been. Yeah. So my question is, does the vaccine solve any of these issues, solve any of these symptoms? Like if you are experiencing them, you get vaccinated and they're gone? Well, it's a good question. I, I think we don't yet know. I think the vaccine is really designed to protect people from getting infected. It's not altogether clear what the impact of the vaccine is on people who've already been infected and or had symptoms. We're still recommending that people who've had the infection before get vaccinated to prevent a reinfection, uh, but we don't really know if it's going to you know, make any difference with respect to the uh, course of patients who've had COVID-19 and also whether it would have any impact on people who are, you know, currently having symptoms. We do recommend in general, though, that people who are sort of actively dealing with COVID-19 maybe wait to get an infection, although, you know, it's tough because a lot of people are getting some lingering symptoms of the infection. So it's, it's a little bit difficult to know exactly what to recommend for those people. Yeah. Now you have this COVID symptom study app. Let's get into what that's all about. How does it work and how can it help? Yeah, so the COVID Symptom Study app is a citizen science project we started when the pandemic first began. Uh, People can download the app for free on their phones. It's available um, through uh, the Apple uh, Store or through the Google Store. and Android. Yeah, it's available for both uh, types of phones. You can get it on... um, uh, download link on my Twitter feed, which is uh, at Andy Chan, uh, A-N-D-Y-C-H-A-N-M-D. Yeah. And uh, it's really easy. It's everyone can download it. And really the purpose is to let people sort of participate in the science behind COVID. We're really encouraging people to download the app, share some basic information about their health, and then on a regular basis, check in with us and let us know what symptoms they're actually experiencing And that's one of the reasons we were able to identify some of these new symptoms. We have millions of people on the app sharing information about the symptoms they're experiencing. And we can now link that information with whether people are getting the disease. Also, we're linking that information with people's exposure to the vaccine. So we're really learning a lot about COVID just from having people out there in the community and the people that are in your in your listening audience. Uh, and just their, you know, volunteer effort to, to give us some information about how they're feeling. That is really cool. Well, uh, it's awesome what you're up to. And thank you so much for joining us today. We really hope we can get a sense of what's going on so we can live better lives and be safer around this because it keeps on changing. Right. And that's the beauty of the app is we, we adapt the app as things change. As we understand more about new symptoms, we ask about those symptoms. And as we sort of came through this new phase where now vaccines are available, we're starting to ask people about vaccines. Mm-hmm. And we're also asking other stuff. We're asking folks to volunteer information about their diet, their lifestyle. Uh, and now we just you know started a survey about mental health. So we're really trying to understand the overall impact of COVID-19 on people all across uh, the country. 
and really trying to get deep into understanding the impact of not just mm-hmm. the infection, but also the impact of you know lockdown and all the changes and disruptions that COVID-19 has had in our lives. You're doing it all. That was Andrew Chen, professor of medicine at Harvard Medical School and physician at Massachusetts General Hospital. Check out the app. It's called COVID Symptom Study App. Thanks again. You're welcome. Nice to be with you. Now coming up, part two of a therapist who blew our minds by explaining how men can have sex with men and still be straight. Dr. Joe Court joins us next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Gay sex and relationships therapist Dr. Joe Court caught a lot of uh, controversy on TikTok when he explained why straight men who have sex with men can still be considered straight. Here's that video. A lot of us use... That- why? That is not it. That is my voice, and it's very lovely. (laughs) Here we go. Here we go. Do you know that straight men can have sex with men and not be gay? They can. My first few videos were about straight men having gay sex, and I'm getting activity again in comments that people don't understand that straight men can be attracted to the sex act, but not to the man. Straight men having sex with men doesn't cancel somebody's heterosexuality any more than a straight woman having sex with a woman cancels her sexuality. So this is really interesting, and he got a lot of hate from everyone, pretty much, from all angles. And Dr. Joe Court is back with us today because we didn't have enough time with him yesterday. This is part two of the conversation. Welcome back. Yeah, thanks for having me back. So I think it's interesting because you bring that up. I think that, and we've always talked about this, how it's a double standard of women can be attracted to women and they're still considered straight, but then men can be attracted or just have sex with another man and they're now considered bi or gay. Yes, right. And it's always bothered me. And it's not, you know, so it's a, the stigma is for the male and the fetishization is for the female. Mm. Yeah. Why would you want to have sex with a straight man? Oh, some gay men fetishize that. So, so there is Which a fetishize each other. That's why I'm saying. So that is that. That's the core of why I find a conversation like this a little bit problematic because it feels like it's still rooted in fetishization. You know, it is. But and and I know what you're saying. But the issue is, um, I think it's it. I think people aren't going to ever be able to really change their erotic fantasies to make them politically correct, you know? We, and we need to understand they're politically incorrect, but what people get off on is what people get off on, you know? But So what's the difference between someone seeing me on Grinder as a black queer person and fetishizing me as, like, this, you know, how black men are often fetishized as, like, BBC, and they're, like, elongated, you know, yeah. genitals and all these things. You know, that is, yeah. that's still problematic. Like, yeah, they're, 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 their kink is not PC, but it's still really rooted in something kind of disgusting. Well, I I agree with you about that. I think it's about consent, right? So these men hook up with each other and they are agreeing to this kind of arrangement. Yeah. That is true. Wow. Yeah, that's interesting. How do you, sorry, real quick, follow up. How do you think this would impact if we started to kind of shift the way that we see sexuality and understand that it's a spectrum? How do you think this would impact straight men uh, feeling like they have to, um, you know, fight or prove or even murder, you know, uh, to, to prove their sexuality? How do you see that kind of shifting and changing? 
See, that's my goal is to soften this whole aggressive. Like you say, I get a lot of hate. These men are getting the, the hate and the women that they're involved with are all part of this hate. There's a lot of damage going on here. And I see this as we, if we accept this, then we can um, stop all that and let people, you know, uh, be self-accepting around this. Well, it's also saying that, like, you get to label what you want to be. Like, someone on the outside can't label you, and you're allowed to be attracted to whatever. But then it's understanding your own limitations as to why maybe you're stopping yourself from labeling yourself as something. Are you inherently also, is there, like, some internalized homophobia? For sure. And there would be internalized homophobia if the guy's struggling with his own homosexuality and he's, you know, trying to... Um, you know, stop it. But, you know, recently people are saying to me, because I compare it to a gay man who has sex with a woman, right? Mm-hmm. He's been married to her for a long time, and the gay men, the mixed orientation couples that work that I work with in my office, are having adequate sex, satisfying sex, sometimes really hot sex. And then people <laughs> will say, well, it's not the same because he was oppressed and repressed to have to be in that marriage. Well, the thing is, he still had young people, the uh, 20s and their 30s, they're purposely being, and even young teenagers are purposely having sex with each other. Gay guys, lesbians are having sex with trans men. Gay men are having sex with cisgender women. It's all over the place, and everybody's okay with that. Yeah, so it seems like... It's a generational thing? I do think it's a generational thing, and people do not accept it. Yeah, so I guess it just seems like you are trying to, one, take out the patriarchy of our sexual identity. We should be able to kind of just freely be who we are and what we want to do, and it shouldn't be an issue, right? I love what you just said. I love it, because that's exactly why I'm getting the hate. This, this is being talked about through the lens of masculinity scripts, the patriarchy, and nobody wants that challenged. And when you challenge it, this is what you get. Uh, what do you tell people who think you're erasing bisexuality? Yeah, I, I've gotten that forever. I, here's what I say. I, I just think it's ridiculous. You're using your platform ar- around bi-erasure to, um, on my platform. I know bisexuality exists. I talk about it. My books all talk about it. There's a difference between a bisexual man and a straight man that has sex with men. I mean, to say that I'm gay is bi-erasure, right? Because I'm not saying I'm bi. I'm gay. These guys are straight. They're having sex with men. It's sexual fluidity. Sexual fluidity is not bisexuality. All right. Yeah. Well, I, I feel like we didn't even get to the, like, I wanted to talk more. I need more of you. <laughs> I mean, tell us, tell us really quickly what your, your, book, uh, your, your book is. Uh, just the, the title, We Gotta Rap. We Gotta sure. Rap. That's it. Yeah, it's Is My Husband Gay, Straight or Bi? It's a guide for women concerned about their men. Perfect. Well, open up your sexual and romantic fantasies, everyone, and just go there. Dr. Joe Court, thank you so much. Thank you for having me back. I love it. I love talking to you guys. Stay right there, Joe. Don't go anywhere. Coming up, uh, this week it was announced six Dr. Seuss books will no longer be published over hurtful and wrong imagery. Now some are wanting to cancel, cancel culture for going too far. We discuss that next. So we're about to talk about uh, this Dr. Seuss debacle. So this is what happened today. I know Dr. Seuss like, why am I in it? What's going on? Okay. So, well, it was Read Across America Day today. And that was established in 1998 as a way of encouraging children to read. And it was chosen also to mark uh, the March 2nd birthday of the Cat in the Hat author Theodore Seuss Geisel. Okay, that's his name. But... In recent years, they've de-emphasized the Seuss connection to promote a more diverse roster of writers and books. 
This is where the whole Dr. Seuss thing comes in now, because the Enterprise, the company that owns Dr. Seuss, announced today that six titles, and to think about that I saw it on Mulberry Street, if I ran the zoo, McElligot's pool, I don't, I don't know these Dr. Seuss uh, books, On Beyond Zebra, Scrambled Egg Super, I remember that one, and The Cat's Quizzer, they're no longer going to be published due to their hurtful and wrong character portrayals. So that's basically what's happening. They're pulling six of their books because they've drawn scrutiny for racist and insensitive imagery. Makes sense. Right. That's the case. Exactly. Uh, Now, Fox News was not happy with this. They have given this wall-to-wall coverage and had a meltdown over it. Here's one of the many clips. Let me just quote Barack Obama in 2015 saying, quote, pretty much all the stuff you need to know is in Dr. Seuss. Now, is Barack Obama racist for, for quoting Dr. Seuss there and, and patting him on the back for the work Can that he I did? Can I add one, I other, don't think so. one other angle to this? There are so many kids right now who are falling behind in their reading because of this and pandemic. And it's a great place to start, And they're Dr. not Seuss. in the classroom. And Dr. Seuss, this company, could be just spreading that message. Yeah. Educate our children. Encourage literacy. Um, interesting. <laughs> you know, I... I I know I'll probably never get on like daytime television like Kelly and Ryan, so I'm just gonna say this: white people get on my nerves um, because of this, <laughs> because they are not looking to Dr. Seuss as the next like I don't know uh, I, what I don't know Edgar Allan Poe that's gonna transform your literature knowledge. Like Dr. Seuss, yes, is cute, but it already has. And it's, I mean, it's it's okay if some things get canceled and then you still have other things, and it's like it, exactly. it lived its life. I just don't understand why they put so much energy into this lackluster talking point of how cancel culture is taking away everything. And also, one of the clips that we were going to play was uh, one of the guys was like, "Oh, well, this is like literally my my culture, or like these, these are the icons that I grew up with." Take it away. And it's just like if that's your icons, maybe reevaluate your life because that seems like the bar is in hell and you might want to figure out and have kind of like a, a a retrospective moment of being like is this really something or the hill that I want to die on for a Dr. Seuss book that I'm not even reading or kids are not even I doubt Dr. Seuss is really on the reading list still like it used to be well, when listen, we were growing it is. Up. Wait, so Cat in the Hat is a classic. However, once again, times change. Things evolve. It's just not Context that matters. But context matters. If we're looking back at a book that while it became really popular, we're now seeing that it's not appropriate anymore. I'm sorry. We gotta let go of it. And they don't care. They just wanna continue to 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 fuel their narrative about cancer culture. That's really what this is about. This isn't about actually caring uh that kids are going to lose out on something. Because guess what? They're not. To know that kids are not going to have to be like educated with racist material or harmful material should be a pretty good thing. That means guess what? The next generation are going to be good people. They're not gonna be on Fox News saying this crap. Yeah, then maybe we won't have to cancel things anymore if we have better people in the world. Maybe we should just cancel Fox News. I think that's already happened. People have tried at least. Now coming up, the big announcement against conversion therapy made by the American Psychological Association. We've got those details next on What's Trending this hour. Coming up on the show, why openly gay is an offensive term and the Minnesota law that is targeting trans youth. It's the most dangerous one yet. How we can all make sure this does not happen. That's coming up this hour. Uh, But on what's trending this hour right now, we've got some breaking news. 
that's happening. What's going on, Ryan? Because uh, CNN is playing right in back of us. But then on Twitter, I'm very confused what's happening because we, we were waiting for this COVID relief bill. We thought the uh, announcement or decision would happen by later tonight or tomorrow. But it seems like things have moved ahead. Yeah, well, CNN is reporting right now, if you're watching uh, CNN on TV, they're reporting that deal reached to move forward with COVID relief bill. Senate Dems will now offer $300 a week unemployment benefits through September 6th. That's all we know right now. Um, and of course, we're we're looking throughout the NBC News and just other outlets, but we have CNN on in the in the studio. And this is weird. It hit the TV before the Twitter. Well, they always, I think that's kind of something if you watch CNN on the regular, they're always doing that big red boated breaking news. So you never really know if it's kind of new or old or what they're, it's just what they're talking about. But I think it's something important for us to share with yeah. our listeners because I think a lot of people are looking forward to that unemployment benefit. Um, and I think it's a lot, it's a little bit less than... Than what we were initially talking about earlier in the week, which it would be $400. So, yeah, it seems like they've gotten um, some type of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Compromise. Yes, yes, yes. And some closure going into the weekend. Yeah. Uh, now, despite nearly half of U.S. states banning anti-trans conversion therapy, one of the nation's top medical organizations hadn't yet spoken out against it. But that ended yesterday. The American Psychological Association, known as the APA, adopted a February resolution denouncing dangerous discredited treatments that impact trans patients and it's the first time they did this the organization also goes on in this announcement to state that transgender and gender non-binary identities and expressions are healthy and that incongruence between one's sex and gender is neither pathological nor a mental health disorder so this is actually really big to clear any stigma and discrimination against transgender and gender diverse people that the American Psychological Association has thrown their hat in the ring and they are making it official, hopefully changes things up, right? Because we've been waiting for this. So that's an early yes, Queen, in a way. But that was also what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? All right, wait a second. Give me a moment because I actually, it's um, it's really interesting. The strangest feud is happening and you won't believe who it's between. It's time for your tea report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. Janice Dickinson and Julie oh, Andrews. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, Janice Dickinson and Julie Andrews are fighting. Well, more so Janice than Julie. I doubt Julie even knows. Um, but during a no-holds-barred interview on the former Super model. Um, basically, Janice Dickinson recalled the time she waited in line for a chance to meet the legendary Sound of Music actress. Here's what she said. I once met Julie Andrews at UCLA and she was in the back room and I was politely waiting my turn in line to get a selfie and at least, you know, get an autograph. And she stopped in front of me and she says, I've had enough. Thank you. And uh, she continues to go on. Janice says, um, basically, I was like, enough of what? She, she said, I stood in this line to get your autograph politely. And she was like, well, I'm done. I'm tired. So Janice is clearly holding a grudge here because she goes on to call Julie Andrews, the most nicest British woman I feel like exists. She goes on to call her a B word, saying oh. that she hurt, she hurt her feelings. Is Janice kind of like overreacting here? What's going on? I mean, something. Because you know, yeah, Julie Andrews, like, give her a break. She's How so old is sweet. she? This was, I let think it go. This happened way. This happened back in the day. She was just recalling this. I mean, she was really kind of shooting shots because she also said that Kim's first Vogue cover made her vomit or made her want to vomit. So a lot um, of good memories in her life. <laughs> 
Gotcha, T-Report. The strangest view. I don't know what's going on. We're wrapping up the show as we always do with our Yes Queen of the Day. Yes, Queen. You know, Dolly Parton is the best. Uh-huh, Always uh-huh. killing it, making everything better, including even getting a vaccine shot this week. Songs to fit the occasion. It goes, <clears throat> vaccine, 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 vaccine. I'm begging of you, please don't hesitate. Vaccine, 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 vaccine. Because once you're dead, then that's a bit too late. And now the LGBTQ plus world is continuing to rejoice her upon hearing of this vaccination and just all her amazing stuff, she is being commemorated, Ryan. A gay club in Costa Mesa, California, called Strut, commissioned a 50-by-20-foot mural depicting her, okay? She has this white garb on. She looks like this, like, goddess with blonde hair on the side of this building with flowers and doves around her. You know she's like gay Jesus, right? Well, yeah, obviously. It seems like it. This is officially it. Yeah, for sure. I I think it's like one... I I just... I don't know. I feel like because we cover her so much here on the show, I feel like I've grown to really love her a lot. I've always kind of enjoyed her because I'm from Tennessee, and Mm -hmm. obviously she lives there and has a lot of things going on. So you hear her name a lot. Um, But yeah, I just... She's just everything. She just gets it. And so I'm I'm happy that she's getting this celebration. So I think it's time. I think that we should get a Dolly Parton poster in the studio. No one asked you to be the decorator. Well, we need something. Our studio. All we have is AJ and his Get Out (laughs) magazine cover. AJ's our, of course, our morning show host. The amazing AJ Gibson. But what, where did that come There's from? There's a story behind that, but you had to, you have to have been told it to well, know. Well, obviously, the story. I'm not part of that because <laughs> I was not told it. And now all I got to do, all I have around me is his beautiful face. But I'm, I'm open to some Dolly Parton. Yeah, I mean, I'm always down for more or anything. But yeah, I wish we could ask our listeners it. to send us things. That would be amazing. So we don't have to buy them. <laughs> Please, we do not need you to send us anything. Like a P.O. box or something, anyway. Just keep listening to the show and yes. being amazing like you're always. And that does it for our show today and our shows this week. Yes, Queen. If you missed anything, we post everything as a podcast on the radio.com app. Just go to uh, Let's Go There. Search that. It's that easy. Did I say podcast? Mm-hmm. I don't know what like you said. Like a podcast. I really wasn't listening. Put your booty in it. <laughs> We're back on Monday. We've got a new time right here on Channel Q, 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific. That's 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan in case you're wondering who these crazy people are. And that's about it. We're sending you love and light. And honey, remember to slay. Have a great weekend. Bye, y'all.